Welcome to the Middle Age Gaming Podcast. This episode was recorded on October 20th. Today, Adam fills us in on the Xbox Series X and the PS5's upcoming new UIs, the PS4 update and voice recording. Quinn talks about the launch of Mario Kart Live and the new Hearthstone expansion. Should you wait to buy a game or buy it on launch? That is the topic for today. Stay tuned because the Middle Age Gaming Podcast is launching. Good morning, everyone. You are right in time for Middle Age Gaming Podcast. We have an exciting show planned for you today, talking about whether we buy games upon release or wait for them to be patched. Uh, yes, I have some thoughts about this, but for a quick take, Adam, do you wait to buy or do you purchase and release? I usually wait to buy them, but that's not by choice. <laughs> <laughs> You? When I was younger, as most sentences go with older people, I always pre-ordered games uh, when they were announced. But now that I'm older and we have our back-breaking backlog, I usually just wait until games are on sale. But we don't want to go too much into the topic now. What's in the news for the past week? We got some news for both the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox. Uh, they both revealed their UIs. So this is kind of interesting because we get to, get to look at what's we're going to be seeing basically for the next console generation. So you're going to be seeing this almost every day if you're pretty competent, not competent, not casual, hardcore gamer, more than hard. I don't know what you call these people. This is what we're going to be looking at for a while. So uh, the Xbox was basically the same thing that you're already used to. So if you're already in the Xbox ecosystem, you're not going to see any big surprises, which is actually probably a good thing because it's going to be very intuitive, very easy for you to navigate and get around on. However, this is only going to be in 1080p. It's not going to be 4K. And the reason for that, Xbox has stated, is because they want to reduce the power that the main hub or the uh, user interface, they want to reduce the power there, and that's going to help with the game. So, for example, earlier I talked about how with Xbox, they want to be able to jump from game to game to game. Well, to do that, they're going to need to be able to save power for the games to keep everything up to date. So they've just reduced the size or the resolution of the UI. Now, the PS5, on the other hand, has significant overhaul here. So basically what's happened is with the PS5, you used to be that you were in your game. And if you wanted to basically go into your UI, you would have to go back to the main hub navigate everything, go around and do all that. Well, now you don't have to do that because you can access everything from the game. It's just going to pop up little cards at the bottom of your screen. And what's that, what that's going to do is that's going to make it a lot easier for you to access things because you don't have to log out of your game and then load back into your game. You can basically just put it over top of your game. It also has some really, really cool features. One of the coolest ones is the help feature, which basically is going to be kind of like your own little tutorial or cheat code in the game. This is a, up to the developers as to whether they want to add this in or not. But basically what you can do is if you're trying to do something, for example, in the trailer, they showed somebody was playing Little Big Planet and they wanted to unlock a certain outfit for Sackboy. So all they do is they go to the help thing, it pops up, it shows a little tutorial video. But because it's playing over the game, you can actually run alongside of it and follow the tutorial in real time. So you don't have to watch it and then go back and play it. You know, you don't have to toggle back and forth. So it's kind of like imagine back in the day, you know, you hold up your phone or something and you're playing and you're looking at your phone and trying to follow what they're doing. I've done that several times myself. 
But now it's just going to be right there on the screen for you. So it's going to be a lot easier and it's really going to be kind of a helpful feature. Now, you obviously don't have to use it, but for people that want it, it's going to be there. It's still up in the air as to whether you can do this, as to whether you can create help content. I don't know. They didn't mention it. So there is the possibility that maybe, for example, if I know how to do something, I could upload my help and other people could download it. But as of now, it just seems to be purely for the creators if they want that or not. They also have activities, which is a new thing, which you can see your progress in the game. So for example, if you're playing a level and it could tell you, okay, you're 60% completed with this level, okay? And... Not only that, but it gives you a time estimate on to how long it's going to take you to finish this particular content. So when a creator creates a game, they can create, okay, they can divide the game up into sections and it will tell you how far you are in this particular section request or whatever. And based on your previous playtime and your previous play habits, it's going to estimate how long it would take you to finish this activity, which is actually really, really cool. For example, if you're, because this happens all the time, you know, we're playing and the wife calls and she says, oh, okay, it's time for dinner. And you're like, okay, okay, just give me two more minutes. And it ends up taking you 10 and, you know, she gets mad or whatever, or, you know, with kids, right? Mom, just 10 more minutes, mom, right? But here at the bottom, it's going to tell you exactly how long it estimates you're going to be. So you can say, oh yeah, it says I have about five minutes left, or it says I have about 15 minutes left. So it's going to really tell you if you, it's the kind of thing that you can just nip in the bud really, really quickly, or if it's something that's going to be a little more comprehensive. So that's a really, really cool feature. Another feature that it can do is loading games in the background, which might sound kind of strange because why would I load a game if I'm already playing a game? But basically this is how it works. Imagine that you're playing a game like say Little Big Planet and your friend logs on and they want to play some kind of multiplayer game. Now, normally what I would have to do is I would have to close out Little Big Planet and then I'd have to load up the other game and then load into the other game and, and then do all that, right? Well, now what you can do is I can just continue playing Little Big Planet while it loads the other game in the background. And when that game is ready to go, I can just pop over directly from Little Big Planet into that game. So basically, you don't have to do that whole logging out, logging in, waiting to go through all the menus. You can just load up the other game in the background. And then when you're ready to go, there you are and save yourself a lot of time. So that's actually a really, really cool feature. And along with that, speaking of multiplayer, what you can also do is they're going to have a picture-in-picture -picture viewing mode. So for example, if I'm playing a game and Korean's playing a game at the same time, and we're part of the same party, so we're chatting, but you know, I, I, I'm playing Little Big Planet, he's playing something else, then I can actually pop a picture of his gameplay up in the corner I can move it around anywhere I want on the screen, but I can have a little picture-in-picture -picture of his gameplay so I can watch him playing his game while I'm playing my game. So, you know, I can kind of comment on things that he's doing, but we don't actually have to be playing the same game. So if you're the kind of person who, you know, if you're playing multiplayer with, player with your friends, great. But if, you know, you're enjoying a single-player game and they're enjoying a single-player game, you can still chat to each other and just kind of have a, a nice little hangout session. So that's a really cool feature. My one question for this is... Is this only for viewing other players or can I actually view other things in it? Because uh, Koreans asked me before, man, how do you find so much time to game? And my answer was kind of, you know, you have to sacrifice other things. I am so behind on Netflix and other things like that. I've been not been watching shows. I still haven't even started Stranger Things and that sort of thing. So I'm kind of wondering if you could use other apps in game 
Because if I did that, I could knock out two birds with one stone by playing my game and watching Netflix at the same time. So I'm kind of excited to see more on this feature. Korean, you have any questions on this particular UI segment? Sure, sure. I mean, you've talked about a, a lot of cool things about these new UIs. I'm kind of jealous as well. I wish I'm sure you could do some of this on PC as well. For in for your particular lifestyle and and how you play, what's the most exciting? part of this new UI change for the PS5 that you would like? Uh, for me, the most exciting part is this picture-in-picture thing, as I just said, because this could be a real game-changer personally for me if I'm able to watch TV and play games at the same time. I think the help thing is really, really going to help a lot of people as well. But I think also, like for instance, if I'm a person that goes to GameFAQs all the time and always is looking things up, if that feature is in-game, that's going to make my life a little bit easier. So it's a quality of life improvement. But what I really think is going to be the biggest game changer for me is this loading games in the background, because this happens all the time. I have friends from high school that I still play games with, and we meet basically every it's Thursday morning for me. It's Wednesday evening for them. But I always usually I end up logging on a little earlier than they do. You know, their dads, they have to finish dinner and put the kids you know, to bed or whatever. So usually I'm on a little bit earlier than they are. And instead of just sitting around and doing nothing, you know, I'll log into a game and I'll play a game and then I wait for them to log on as well. Well, once they do log on, then I have to close my game. I have to open up the next game, go through the whole loading process, you know, sync it up, all that. And then, you know, that could take, depending on the game, could take quite a while. So this ability for me to just continue playing my game and then just pop right over instantly into their game is going to be, for me, a really, really big deal. And the other thing that's really cool is that it can save my current game state. So, if, for example, if I'm playing a game and I'm in the middle of a level, I don't have to find a save point or I don't have to save it. I could just pop over and then when we're done, I could just pop back to my original game and it just picks up where I left off. So for me, I think that's going to be the most interesting feature. I also think it's going to be very good for, say, families where you have siblings and one sibling's playing and, you know, mom calls them or whatever. The other sibling could just pop right over immediately and start playing the game. And then the, the original person does not lose their progress. So I, I think that's going to be a really big thing. What would you like to see added in the UI that they haven't mentioned? Oh, that's a very good question. I hadn't really thought about that. Uh, if I was going to add anything to the UI, what I would probably do is, similar to the picture-in-picture, picture, add the ability to see your friends camera feeds for instance if yeah uh, so if you've seen my streams there's me in the upper right hand corner there's a little picture of me so if you could do something like that so if i'm playing a multiplayer game with my friends you know if i could put like their cameras across the top or something you know and we're all playing together and we can see each other's faces i think that would be really really useful because you know especially if you can hear people talking and you can see their faces and laugh along with them i think that would be a really cool feature i totally agree that's that would be awesome. I think I've, I remember seeing movies or like one of those futuristic sci-fi movies where people have that kind of sort of environment, like eight people across the top and playing games or watching something together. That would be really cool. Yeah, kind of your own little gaming Zoom call in a way. Yeah, exactly. So what's the second exciting thing you've got for us today? All right. Well, I don't know if it's exciting or not. I guess it depends on who you are. So the second thing is PlayStation recently updated to 8.0, and it has caused a lot, a lot of drama. So one of the problems was is that your friends lists were not displaying. I actually personally had this problem as well, uh, where basically just when I went into friends, it just said that I had none. 
Now, my personal fix, I don't know if this would work for everybody, but what I ended up doing is I just did a search for one of my friends. And when, as soon as I did the search and the search completed and it found him, after that, my friends list loaded the entire list. So I don't know if that's a fix for everybody, if that was just for me. Uh, but that's how I fixed that one. But basically what it's doing is it's trying to make the PS4 compatible with the PS5. So the PS5 is going to do parties and that sort of thing differently than the way the PS4 did it. And this is going to make it compatible. So one of the biggest things was that previously, if I was playing a game and I wanted to talk to my friends, all I had to do was create a party and invite my friends. Or I could just go straight to my friends in the party list and then just say, you know, create party. And then I would have a way for us to communicate. Now, it's not going to be doing that anymore. Now, the way the party list works is it's going to work similar to apps like WhatsApp or Line or Google Hangouts, where if I have a conversation with a friend, then what I could do is I could just go into a video call or go into an audio call with that friend. But it's considered part of our text conversation. It's not its own individual call. So because of that, it's going to cause some trouble because you have to have a conversation open with people in order to make that call. You can't just create a party and then add people to it. There has to be a conversation basically attached to it. Now, this is advantageous in certain ways because it means that if you have a regular group of friends that you party with, then you already basically have these group chats open and you can just open up these group chats and then anybody who's part of that group can pop in and out as they want. So, you know, for instance, if I'm talking to uh, one friend and another friend isn't online, but he pops in later, if we're talking in our group chat, he can join that call. But the downside is, is you basically have to have conversations with these people. So I know it's really common on PlayStation for when some people play online games, they'll find out the people that they're playing with and they will just create a party and then have all these players with them. And they're not really friends. They're just people that are currently playing together, but they've created a temporary party. You're not going to have those temporary parties anymore. Uh, the other thing that I know some people were using it for was to create basically solo parties. So for example, yesterday I was playing Ghost of Tsushima Legends and in it, there was a part where I was quiet for the whole time because there's in-game chat and I didn't want to be talking to the camera and this other guy, you know, having to listen to me talking to nobody, it would just be kind of awkward for him. So I was just, you know, quiet the whole time. So what people would do before is they would open up a party chat. They're the only person in the, in that party but because party chat is prioritized, it would not have his voice in the game chat. And so you could do that. And then that way I could still talk to my audience, but I'm not talking to other people in the game. So that would be a way to do that. You can't really do that anymore. There is a kind of workaround. For example, I have two accounts, a Taiwanese account and an American account. So I can just open a chat between my two accounts and it's basically just me in there. But if you don't have two accounts, I don't know if there's going to be a workaround for that or not. Okay. So uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Yes, um, we did. Do you think, <laughs> yes, we did. Do you think they're going to fix this anytime soon? Or are they going to release a patch? Or uh, They've already talked about it. Basically, they said, Sony said that they are listening to player feedback and they're trying to decide what they want to do. So I don't think they're going to roll it back, but I do think they're going to maybe add some of that old functionality, like just creating parties on the fly. I think they'll bring that back. But uh, I don't think they're going to roll it back because I do think they want this kind of Google Hangouts line WhatsApp kind of idea where you have chat groups. So because of that, I think 
they're going to fix it, I don't think they're going to roll it back in. Okay. Then we're going to move on. Uh, yeah. Unless you want to add anything else? Do you think I should? <laughs> we, we had a little discussion before. <laughs> so we had a little discussion before about the news that Microsoft has come out and said that they do not want to edit out part of the player base for exclusivity purposes. But there's a lot of chatter right now that Elder Scrolls Six is going to be an exclusive to the Xbox. I was telling Korean that my personal opinion on it is looking at the history between Microsoft and Sony. If we're looking back at, say, Minecraft, when Microsoft came out with Minecraft and did the play together with Nintendo, one of the things was Nintendo players had to create a Xbox Live account in order to use this play together functionality. Now, when Microsoft went to play Sony and said, hey, let's do this, Sony was like, uh-uh, no, you are not putting Xbox Live accounts on PlayStations. That's not going to be a thing. And because of that, they were cut out of this play together, what do you call it, cross-play functionality. So given that history and given the fact that they've already expressed that all the Bethesda games coming forward are going to be Game Pass day one right there, you know, included freely on the Game Pass. Here's my prediction right now. It's Elder Scrolls is not going to be exclusive to the Xbox, but I am pretty sure that Microsoft is going to be holding it ransom in order to get Game Pass on the PlayStation. So that that's my prediction is they're going to come out and say, hey, guess what? PlayStation, you want Elder Scrolls 6? Put Game Pass on the PlayStation. And then when PlayStation says no, they can just turn to the fan base and say, hey, we wanted to give it to you. It was Sony that refused to let you have it. So that, that's my prediction right there. <laughs> A little bit of extra news. And and I was just saying before, like uh, I was expecting Adam to go in a totally different direction. But he said that and I'm like, I totally agree. That makes total strategic sense. Spoke about it on the show before. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't happen, but we'll have to wait and see. Let's hope not. Oh, I would be so sad <laughs> if I lost Elder Scrolls. I can oh, still play on PC though. So. Oh, exactly. Exactly. You? What's okay. your news? All right. My news today is something. It is the launch of Mario Kart Live. This is actually from an article on CNN. It was published on October 14th, which is just literally last week. It's live. It's 100 US dollars. Comes with two carts and posts. Each player needs to have their own Switch, which is that's expensive. And if you guys have forgotten or you're listening for the first time, Adam and I live in Asia. And in Asia, people generally have smaller houses, not like in my home country, South Africa, or Adam's home country, the United States. So you don't really have the space to make a sort of like cool, fantastic, giant Mario Kart course. Uh, that means you need to schedule a play date in Asia anyway, or go somewhere or find someone who has a house. And if you don't know, kids in Asia are quite busy especially with school or after school. They go to cram school classes. They go to painting, art, karate, math. This definitely seems more for a Western audience, which seems unfair since I would really love to play this. I'd love to have this and go somewhere outside and set up a course somewhere in like a big public space and just drive my Nintendo Mario Karts or real-life Nintendo Mario Karts. Um, I hope Nintendo comes out with a modified version of this since... It's really not doable in a small home. Uh, to give our listeners an idea, uh, my house is about 90 square meters. And there's literally not 
any space in this house to have any kind of circular course without having to move a lot of stuff. I know, out of the way. So, I mean, I mean, it's really exciting, really cool, but I find it weird. I mean, even in Japan, Japanese people tend not to have huge houses, Taiwan, South Korea. So maybe this is just made for America. But even still, if you guys have read the articles, there's lots of cool stuff about this. You'll watch YouTube videos. People say, oh, these cots are really cool because you get to see what's under your sofas and all the dirt and dust. And people are finding lost objects. If you're watching the video right now, you can see the cart has a camera on top, uh, which shows broadcast video to your Switch. And you get to see all the stuff from that perspective in your house, which is kind of cool. So Adam, what do you think? Do you know the size of these carts? I mean, you say it's going to fit under your sofa, but it seems to me just looking at it, you'd have to have a pretty tall sofa, right? There, I mean, looking at the video, it looks like they're kind of big. Seeing the size, because they are selling them here in Taiwan, they're actually no bigger than the size of my hand. They're they're quite small. Oh, okay. Uh, they're not heavy at all. Um, so no, yeah, they would definitely fit under most people's sofas i would say most sofas if, if you look in the video again maybe that's not a typical sofa but it would definitely fit under there okay yeah yeah my house if i went by floor space i technically have a lot but in asia most of our houses are built vertically not horizontally and so it's not very conducive to a racetrack do you know how many carts will be supported at a time like uh, it, here we are seeing mario and luigi do we know if it's limited to two players or can it be more than that can be up to four so four players and four nintendo switches Okay. So, but there's a, a limit to... Now, could you... Okay, so when you're playing normal Mario Kart, you can have two players, each one using one Joy-Con. Could you use two Switches and then you play with four players or each cart has to have its own Switch? Each cart has to have its own Switch okay. because it is broadcasting the video from your particular cart. Okay. It doesn't do like a split screen thing. Now, do you think, think this will work pretty well because i mean in a family setting i would assume most families don't have multiple switches they would just have one in the share right that's what i was thinking that's a great point as well is the the fact that yeah i think most people i know some people have two switches but i think out of all the people i know who have nintendo switches they just have a single switch so that's why i, I thought about the idea of a, of a play date or, or be it a kid or an adult where uh, you and your friends go to your, somebody's house and you bring your switches and your carts and you play Mario Kart Live. But that even that would require a lot of time, and especially for our age group, the middle-aged gamers, finding time to go to somebody's house to play Mario Kart, I think that would be fairly difficult. Yeah, you do an office party. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. That would be, be cool. fun. Now, do you know if they're limited to just Mario and Luigi, or they have plans to open up other racers in the future? At the moment, I know when you buy the Mario Kart Live, you just get Mario and Luigi. In the future, you will get other racers. I would assume depending on how well this does, how well it sells, Mar Nintendo will make more. I wouldn't be surprised now I'm thinking about it that they just make one anyway because, I mean, people co connect the uh, collect the Amiibos and this would be another thing that someone would collect and stick inside their showcase or uh, similar to what you have behind you as well, and put all the cards behind them just for show and probably never play with them. Okay. Yeah, I'd be curious to see if they actually, because in the game, they have uh, the weight classes, right? And that yes. affects the players. So lighter players have, uh, what, better acceleration, but heavier players have better drift and top speed. Uh, exactly. Do you think they would actually make the carts have different functionality depending on who the character is? Or do you think they'll probably just 
be a purely aesthetic? I think at the moment it's purely aesthetic. In the future, I would say they could do that. There's definitely the the physical components exist where you could integrate it in a cart and uh, make something that has so each card has physically different properties or reacts physically when the game is going right on. you could do that through software too saying oh this card's just going to cap out at a slightly higher speed or accelerate exactly. or something exactly. okay but yeah mario and luigi are both middle middle class or middle weight racers so they're not going to function all that differently in the game anyway ah that looks really cool it does it does i'm just jealous that that's why i said i'm hoping they will have some sort of system where you can set up a public course outside. I'd like to go to the cultural center in Kaohsiung and set up a course. They've got loads of space and just play Mario Kart out there. That would be that would be so fun. Well, if the popularity of Pokemon Go is anything to go by, I think we'll be certainly seeing this outdoors in the future. That would be awesome. All right, moving on to my second news topic. And this is something... Uh, maybe Adam is familiar with because he was a World of Warcraft gamer and I just played it in beta. This is the teaser image Blizzard released for the new Hearthstone expansion. It will definitely be coming out in December this year, as much as Blizzard says that they don't know when it comes out. But uh, this year there are three expansions. Last year there were four. Uh, Blizzard is trying to do, uh, I guess, less expansions to decrease the cost, but also make more single-player content because loads of Hearthstone people have been asking for more single-player content. If you're playing Hearthstone at the moment, if you're playing Hearthstone at the moment, you will know that there are stories going on, the story of Jaina the Mage, of Rexar the Hunter, and this is sort of like single-player chapters that sort of give the characters their backstory. I mean... I haven't played them yet, but supposedly they're really cool. But uh, going back to the expansion, if you're new to Hearthstone or if you're an old player, expansions are usually $50 for the basic expansion. They have like a mega pack where you get pay $80 and you usually get a new kind of hero. And you get like 80 packs or 100 packs, just depends on what kind of promotion they're throwing up. Uh, this is related to some part of Hearthstone lore, or I should say World of Warcraft lore that I'm not particularly familiar with uh, the cool thing with this expansion as well is most likely they will launch the new battle pass system that i talked about earlier before uh, battle pass will be a new way for hearthstone players to earn money to earn packs to play the game without having to spend the 50 dollars or 10 dollars or however much money you want to spend on the game there are going to be a bunch of probably more announcements moving forward towards the games launched they also mentioned in the teaser that there's going to be a new mode so at the moment on hearthstone there's a uh, standard which is using the current cards from the year there's wild which uses any cards there's a tavern brawl which changes every week there's arena which is where you get draft your own cards not from your deck and there's battlegrounds which is the sort of auto chest version. And they're going to add another version, uh, supposedly by the end of this year. I don't think it's going to happen. From what I know, a lot of the Blizzard US people are working from home, so things have slowed down. I think they'll get the expansion out on time. Uh, whatever this relates to, I mean, looking at this eye, maybe Adam could tell us more about it uh, later. But uh, who knows? Uh, Expansions have been getting better, I would say. I've been playing this for four, five, six years. In the beginning, expansions were very 
minimal in terms of mechanics. This last expansion was great. Lots of really cool mechanics. I'd imagine the next one's going to be even better. And that's it. So please keep an eye out for that in almost two months. And it'll be something cool. So Adam, do you know what this picture references with the eye? If I remember correctly, this is something to do with uh, the most recent expansion in WoW. Tear down the eye at the very, very end. I'm not quite sure what it is off the top of my head. I'm trying to look it up right now. But I remember people at the end of the previous expansion were basically complaining that they ripped off the end of Lord of the Rings with the giant tower falling down. So... Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, this does look like Lord of the Rings eyes. Yeah, so a lot of people were, uh, let's see. I'm, yeah, I'm not quite sure off the top of my head. I haven't played WoW in in a while. Uh, ever since the Blitzchung incident, I ended my account and I haven't gone back yet. So that was after my time. This looks like the C C Cthulhu's eyes or something like that. Cthulhu, the Lovecraftian creature? Yeah, because he was in a Hearthstone expansion. I thought he was in WoW as well. Uh, wasn't it Cthulhu himself? But yeah, it was a Cthulhu-like creature. Yeah, I think it might be the thing that... Uh, oh, what's her name? The She used to be part of the Night Elves, and then she left, and she went into the water. Uh, Sylvanas? Evil. No, not Sylvanas. She was a high elf. Uh, she was. She became the queen of the Naga. Right. I don't remember her name. No, no, but no. Anyway, I, I think it, I, her I, god. I okay. Her god. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. All right, uh, so that is it for my news. We're going to move on to Adam's topic about sooner or later. All right, so we're going to be talking about whether we believe it is better to buy games on release or whether it is better to wait and buy them later. So when it comes to when I buy games, I am typically the kind of person who tries to buy them sooner rather than later. And the reason that I do that is mostly because... I mean, I would love to be on top of things, but my backlog is huge, so I'm almost never on top of things. But a lot of times there are pre-order bonuses, and I am kind of a sucker for some of those pre-order bonuses. So I have a bad habit of trying to buy things or pre-order them, which I know everyone now these days are like, stop pre-ordering, don't do that. But, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of person, I'm, I'm part of the problem. So I, I often do buy them quite early, but then I end up playing them much, much, much later because I do have to worry about my backlog. Uh, so for example, with Final Fantasy 15, when I got that, uh, I got it shortly after release, prior to when all the DLC came out, but I didn't even end up playing it until after Royal Edition was out, which was, you know, quote unquote, the complete version. So the version that I played was not the version that I bought. So now there are advantages to both sides. Uh, one advantage of buying it early is that you can avoid spoilers, obviously, because nobody's been spoiling it yet. Uh, and also, you can kind of see the progression of the game. Also, if you're the kind of person that likes exploits, buying it on release is the best time to get it because you can really take advantage of some of those exploits that are going to get patched out later on. For example, in the original Destiny, they had the loot cave, which was later patched out. But a lot of people early on were just going to that loot cave and just grabbing tons and tons of stuff. And that will give you an advantage later on. Now, in some games, it's not going to help as much. But usually there's some kind of money exploit or something like that that gives you an advantage. So if you're the kind of person that likes to kind of cheat the system, buying it on release actually might be a good idea. So games that I bought on release but then versus games that I've waited for, games that I bought on release were Ghost of Tsushima, 
Catherine Full Body, and Windbound, of which the three, the only one that I have played is Ghost of Tsushima, and I am not even halfway through that yet. So it's going to be a while before I buy the other ones. Uh, ones that I kind of waited for, Final Fantasy uh, 15, I got it on release, but then actually my wife got it for, I don't remember if it was for my birthday or for Christmas, but she bought me the Chinese-Korean version, and my Chinese is okay, but it's not enough to navigate Final Fantasy level dialogues. So uh, I was, yeah, it, it was a little bit difficult for me to read. So I ended up rebuying it much, much, much later. Uh, the Mass Effect trilogy, I did not buy until the PS4 was already out. Back when they were offering PS Plus games for PS3 for free, uh, they offered, I think it was Mass Effect 2. And then later on, right before Mass Effect Andromeda came out, I thought, you know what? I should play this series to see if I want to get Mass Effect Andromeda. They were on sale. So then I bought one and three and played through the entire trilogy. So, I mean, that was years later. And also Persona 5, which I've been wanting to play, but I, I still to date haven't even bought it. And now they have Persona 5 Royal Edition. So if I do get it, I'll probably get that. And in the case of Final Fantasy, in the case of all three of these, Final Fantasy 15, Mass Effect, and Persona 5, when I played Mass Effect, I played the full trilogy at once. You know, I got the full game. When I played Final Fantasy 15, I got the Royal Edition, which was, you know, they added extra quests and they filled out a lot of things that people had been complaining about with the base game. And even with Persona 5 Royal Edition, it adds a lot of content onto the original game. So in that sense, it's kind of advantageous to wait. I'm the kind of person who I really wish I could be on top of things because... It is exciting to be part of the cultural experience as opposed to following the cultural experience. Now, I do feel that this kind of changes things when it comes to live service games. For example, games like Destiny or Genshin Impact. A lot of these games have timed events. And as you all know, I jumped. I don't usually jump games, but I did jump from Ghost of Tsushima to Genshin Impact purely because they had a timed event that would be gone. So if I want to unlock certain things, I have to jump on that right away. So if you do wait, you are likely to miss out on a lot of the early content. A lot of games now have release content. It's kind of like the pre-order bonuses. I know every time a new, at least up to date, every time they have a new little big planet for the first week or month or whatever, they have a free DLC where you can download basically a, a day one t-shirt for Sackboy to wear. And then after that, it's gone. So being able to get some of these things early, really, you can get some benefits because obviously this is really a way for the publishers to get an idea of, is this game going to be successful or not? And also, if you don't jump on them early... There's a risk that a game could die. I, when Battleborn and Overwatch came out, they basically both did a kind of a free beta. And I think Battleborn was done for one month and then the next month was Overwatch. I really liked Battleborn. Uh, I was not so into Overwatch, though. So when I played Battleborn, after I played it, I was like, oh, I, I actually really want to get this game. I ended up actually buying the game, but... A lot of people didn't, and now the servers are dead. So even if I wanted to play Battleborn, I can't anymore. I don't know if they made an offline, if they made it so you could play offline, but 
there's no option to play with my friends anymore, even if they did pick it up. Another good example is Disintegration, which is made by Bungie, which they released just a few months ago. And that game has already been taken down. So if you don't jump on a game at release, especially for these live service games, that could be a signal for the publisher to, you know what, this isn't going to make us any money. And it dies when had it stayed up for a while. You know, Maybe it just took a while for the fan base to build up. I mean, let's look at Anthem, for example. Anthem came out. It had a lot of hype. And then a lot of people bought it. And then they were just really, really disappointed with it. So a lot of people jumped ship. And now they're saying that they're going to be making a 2.0. But they've been kind of slow in that. So is Anthem going to come back? Supposed to, but... It hasn't yet. So with live action games, jumping on them at release, or sorry, not live action, with live service games, jumping on them early is, is really, really important. As far as do I think games will ever come out fully working? I mean, we're living in a time where, you know, the, like I said, the full game comes way later. For example, Final Fantasy 15, you know, only the Royal Edition, which came out, what, three years later was the full version. And then games were patched for a long, long time. I mean, how many games come out now these days without a day one patch? Almost none. Almost everything has a day one patch. So do I think we're ever going to go back to the time where we get games that come out of the gate fully working? Probably not too much, with the exception of indies. There are some indies that come out. You know, these are smaller games, so they're simpler. So they don't need as much patching. And also, I think Final Fantasy, I, I think to date, Final Fantasy VII Remake has not received a patch. Or maybe it received one which is really, really interesting. And then also, I, I, I don't remember if Valkyria Chronicles had patches or not. They might have. So, But I don't really think we're going to see too much of that. So what about you, Korean? Are you the kind of guy who likes to jump on the train as soon as it's out of the station or wait until it's you know a little ways down the track? As I said before, Adam and I have talked about this. I used to buy early because I would be so excited and I do like the pre-order bonuses. I remember one of the games that I bought early and I was so happy with just because of the pre-order stuff was Unreal Tournament 2004. I was living in Ireland or maybe in America at the time. It came with this like really cool tin case and I'm pretty sure I still have it somewhere. In Taiwan, I bought the Tomb Raider games when they were re-released well, re in sort of like that action puzzle genre and it came with like a water flask and a bunch of cool stuff like a compass I bought an Assassin's Creed game and came with some cool art. So in that sense, if some games have like really cool stuff right now, stuff that you'd get when you pre-order, I would definitely pre-order it. Uh, Post-launch, uh, Stardew Valley has this really cool collector's edition that I would love to buy, but it's, it's crazy expensive. Now, I think, I'm not sure. It, I... I would definitely tend to wait. Um, I was going to talk to Adam about this later, about us uh, potentially being day one players of uh, Cyberpunk and streaming that together, potentially. Uh, or Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is also uh, really doing well in terms of hype these days. Or Among Us. Uh, or Among Us, yes, yes. Among Us is is doing really well as well. Oh, Adam, I was going to ask you, so like you mentioned Ghost of Tsushima. yes. So you, you would consider that uh, buying it on release? Well, I, I actually pre-ordered it. Oh, you pre-ordered it? Oh, okay. And I just never got around to playing it. <laughs> oh, this is what like... I'm saying. Yeah, I tend to buy games on release, but then I don't play them until much later. Okay. I had another question. Um, as a PC player, 
there's usually, I would even say in my later years in life, you buy games on release with very few exceptions, games have issues. When I started playing Skyrim, when I played uh, this game, which I will show you briefly before we switch back to Adam, if you guys can see my topic, uh, which is this game called Grey Goo. Uh, Grey Goo was this cool strategy game. I bought it upon release. I always wanted to play it. I installed it through Steam, never worked. Contacted the developers, they said you should do this or do this. Still never worked. This is a game I paid full price for, or relatively 40 US dollars. Have not played it to this day. Loved it from what I could watch on YouTube anyway. And no, can't work. Um, I've got a few other games on my PC list like that, that just don't work. That's the thing that sort of like really set it for me. But now, I mean, if I buy a game on release and it does work, I'm okay. Uh, but I, what I was going to ask you, Adam, in, on consoles, has that ever been an issue? Have, have PlayStation people or maybe, you know, Xbox bought a game, popped it into their system, and it just doesn't work? I have not heard about that. I, the closest I could think of as an unworkable game would be, what, Superman 64? I think there's definitely, though, a little more regulation in the consoles where, for instance, in Steam. I mean, did you get Grey Goo on Steam or? Steam. Okay, so Steam's kind of notorious for anything goes, right? And then uh, fix it later, right? So on consoles, I think it's more like, for example, the iTunes store or the Apple store where they really kind of make sure that everything's working and working order or represents what they want it to represent before they even allow it on the store. So I think in consoles, in a way, there's there's probably a little more uh, I'm trying to think of how to say it. I think on consoles, they tend to check things a little more thoroughly to make sure that they're actually working yes prior to releasing them. Now, in the case of Grey Goo, I think your problem is very obvious that they spelled the word Grey wrong. It should be G-R-A-Y, <laughs> not E-Y. So that, that that's very clearly the issue that they had. <laughs> I'm totally unbiased opinion. but Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Grey Goo. Um, okay, what about, have you bought PlayStation games and had issues with them upon release or later on when you decided to start playing them? I've never had, I mean, okay, this is all, there's always glitches and bugs and things like that. And I've definitely had them, but I've never had a game where it just wouldn't really function. I've had games that would crash relatively consistently early on. I think Mass Effect, was it Mass Effect? My Mass Effect 1, okay. The closest that I've ever had was between Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect 2, you're supposed to have your save data carry over from the first game to the second game. And there was a bug on PS3 that for some odd reason, a lot of people were having where your Mass Effect 1 data would be corrupted in such a way that you could still use it in Mass Effect 1, but you couldn't use it in Mass Effect 2. Now, the Mass Effect 2, when it came out, the fix to this was it came with kind of a last time on Mass Effect kind of comic book thing that you could it was like an interactive comic book and it would kind of tell you the story and then it would get the story beats and you can make a selection like which character did shepherd romance or did shepherd not romance any characters or uh, did you choose to save whoever so you could do that interactive comic and then kind of get back some of your choices but you had to run through that you could it, you couldn't use your save data and i don't think that ever got fixed but as far as playability i've never had a game that just was completely unplayable on release 
Okay. That's definitely the advantage of consoles, and I've had people argue with me about it in the past that consoles are uniform, that all the hardware is the same, so it's easy to program for. It's not like PCs, where I have a GTX 1080, my brother has a GTX 1050, my other brother has an AMD Radeon, and the motherboards and the CPUs and the amount of RAM is different, and the version of Windows is different, and the screen or resolution is different. Whereas in consoles, you can program for a fairly uniform set of circumstances. Right. Yes. So, which is an advantage, which always, as whenever we have these talks, it always makes me think, Korean, don't buy a GTX 3080 or 3070, just buy a PS5. I saw you on the on Twitter, you said something about an Xbox. Oh, an Xbox as well. See, th- th- all this stuff is just running through my mind. I'm like, Oh, that I, I'm I'm terrible when it comes to purchase decisions. I don't know if I've ever told Adam before. Like whenever I want to buy something, I always spend like months, one, two, three months looking at videos, researching, researching, and before finally buying something because I just go crazy with all the reading. No, I follow my heart. I look at something and I'm like, that looks like a game I want to play, and then look at maybe three reviews and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get it. Or, nah, I'm not going to. <laughs> with games, I don't have the problem. With like hardware choices, like with the. Uh, with the Samsung S20, I mean, I spent months researching and watching videos and look at it, and I'm like convincing the girl from like, oh, I want to spend, you know, a thousand US dollars on a cell phone. It's just like, what? Yeah, my cell phone's getting weird. I probably should update at some point too. Yeah, you can pick up an iPhone 12 mini and. Ooh, iPhone. Ooh, like. no, no. Ooh. <laughs> Ugh. All right, Adam. Uh, then maybe we'll call that for today. Sounds good and, to me. Okay. So as always, please feel free to contact us on Twitter at Gaming Aged, Facebook at Middle Age Gaming 2020, Instagram at Middle Age Gaming. I hope you enjoyed the show today. And if you want to do more, please like this. Please leave us a message or comment or thought. I uh, recently got our first comment, which we didn't notice until we were preparing for this show. Thank you for that. Uh, please keep an eye out for the broadcast of our games-only show airing after this. It, w- it will be live, so please enjoy it. Moving into next week, we might change the format again. Please watch social media. I will do my best to post about it after Adam and I have a, a few more discussions about what we exactly want to do. Adam? Uh, sorry, I've had a little bit of an internet hiccup there. And if you prefer email, we are still looking forward to the crazy long message. So drop us a line at middleagegaming2020 at gmail.com. We'd really love to get your thoughts on what is going on in the world of gaming. Uh, so follow our Facebook page, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and that way you can be notified when we go live. So Korean and I are now streaming exclusively to Middle Age Gaming on Twitch. So please hit that follow button so you know when we're going live and you can watch us. And if you take a quick break, then we'll be back in 10 minutes for the game show. See you there. Yes, we will. All right. See you guys later. Don't change your channels. Go get something to eat. And we will be right back. 